Hi, I'm Sarah Kuhn. Welcome to the Juno Women Podcast, where I sit down with mamas to talk about their health, their work, their parenting, and all the different ways that they're keeping it together. Juna is a fitness and nutrition app created to help guide you through your pregnancy and motherhood journey. Everything we do is to empower and support you through one of the most incredible and challenging times of your life. Today, I'm interviewing Whitney Rowell, CEO of Miracle Milk Cookies, a company designed to give mamas everywhere a little boost. She also is the host of podcast Message from Mom, where she shares tips, tools, and resources for new moms. Whitney and I talk about her unplanned path to motherhood and about the importance of surrounding yourself with a strong support system to help you through those tough times. We talk about her labors and how drastically different each one of them was, and we touch on the downside of genetic testing. We also talk about the unexpected way a blog post turned into her latest business, Miracle Mo Cookies. This is a great interview, so I hope you enjoy. I am Whitney. My last name is Raul. I um, have two children. I have a um, four-year-old and a little girl who's about to be two on Friday this week and um, a husband. (laughs) That's my family. Um, And we have a company called Miracle Milk Cookies. Um, We make fresh baked lactation cookies for mamas everywhere. So it's really fun. Nice. And do you work with your husband? Yeah, he quit his job in February to work with me full time. And what was he doing before? He was working um, in a lab on pharmaceuticals at a hospital here in Dallas. So completely different world. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's uh, has has that had is that like wonderful working together? Does it have its own challenges? Well, I still feel like we actually are complete opposites in every way, which is kind of nice because I'm the creative, like front of office, sales, marketing, branding, and he's completely back office, loves the operation side, handling all the logistics and the things that I just really get, just take over my, I can't handle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's nice to have that kind of that balance and then we're able to bounce ideas off each other. The hardest part, I would say, is just working together on our, the same company is that we – it's hard to have a work-life balance because when we're at mm-hmm. home with the kids, we're at home working, and then it's like, when do we stop talking about work and talk about normal things? And that's been the biggest challenge we've encountered. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into Miracle Milk Cookies, but I first want to go back and kind of talk about your path to motherhood. Yeah, well, it's kind of been an interesting journey. Um, I let's see, I had my first baby in June of 2015, and she was a surprise in the fact that like my husband and I um, had been dating over a year. Right, we were dating at the time, and we found out we were mm-hmm. pregnant, um, <laughs> which was really scary for both of us. Um, and so we. When we found out we were pregnant, I was like terrified because I thought my life was over, honestly, just because I had never, we hadn't been planning for that. Obviously, we weren't right. married yet. Um, I grew up in a very strong Christian home. And so my family was very religious and and I was too. So, I mean, I am. And so it was just a, a lot at once. Um, mm-hmm. And so we ended up um, just deciding we're going to go, you know, we're going to make this work and try to figure it out. Um, he actually proposed to me like two days before Christmas. I remember I found out Halloween, which was kind of weird. And then he proposed mm-hmm. to me two days before Christmas. And um, I got a call from the nurse that day. And she was like, we got, I, I did that early blood testing to find out 
we just wanted to run all the tests and find out. I really mm-hmm. wanted to find out the gender early. That was the main reason. Same. You know, because <laughs> that's the point, really, I feel like. I don't – and so <laughs> I didn't know that anything else would come up. And I got a call from the nurse, and she said, we didn't want to call you. We know it's right before Christmas. We also know you wanted to know the results by Christmas. But you are having a girl, but she's positive for Turner syndrome. And I was like, well, I don't know what that is. So can you explain? And she said, well, something that, you know, it, we, we, we don't really want to talk to you about it now. We want you to come in and talk to a genetic counselor about it. So if you don't mind um, coming in, we have an appointment for you the day after Christmas to come in first thing in the morning to meet with our genetic counselor, talk about what Turner syndrome is and your next steps. And so, of course, I like, I remember I was sitting in the car. I had just finished Christmas shopping after that morning was kind of a whirlwind when you proposed to me. It's just been, it was a wild week. And right. I ran inside and I Googled Turner syndrome and it had all the different symptoms like short stature, could potentially have web, like wide neck, no um, reproductive system. If they, if you do go past your first trimester in pregnancy, I mean, there's definitely a chance to live, but there's a 95% chance of miscarriage in the first trimester. And I was still in my first trimester. Oh my God. So I was just like, what in the world is happening? We just got engaged and we had the surprise pregnancy and I'm, I have a baby inside of me who's potentially not going to make it. Um, it was just terrifying. And so I, um, we, we just prayed about it a lot and we went into the counselor on that Friday morning and after Christmas and they just said, okay, so, you know, you're positive returners would you like to go ahead and abort your baby? And I had honestly considered that when I first found out I was pregnant just because I was so scared. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just um, – we, we had made the decision we were not going to do that no matter what. So we said, no, we're going to have this baby no matter what. And they're like, well, okay, well, that means you're going to be coming in every other week to the perinatologist to get ultrasounds and have sonograms. And we're going to be doing all these tests and blood work every other week. And you're going to have – and I was like, okay, fine. Let me just, I'll just do it. So right. literally every other. Or, do you, do, sorry, do you think that was their, sorry. Do you think that was their way of trying, like of almost kind of like trying to tell you what a burden this was going to be? Oh, for so, sure. It felt like okay. that. I was like, are you kidding me? I had already made a decision. So it wasn't like I could go back. Right. So I was just, okay, lay it on me. Tell me all the things we're going to have to go through. Um and so every other week we went together and had the, you know, sonogram. And I was terrified every time I went in because I wasn't sure if she was going to be okay. And they were always like, she looks great. She looks great. And at the point where finally, like, I mean, I was like eight months pregnant. I finally was like, do I still need to come in here? She looks fine. And they're like, no, we just won't know now until she's born. We have to, because I didn't want to do an amniocentesis because that could mm-hmm. also cause miscarriage. So they were like, just wait till after she's born, then we'll do her blood work and let you know if she actually has it or not, which was also kind of weird. So I was like – So it wasn't even like she 100% had right. it. It's just if she's showing the, the like signs of it. Because test okay. was like – yeah, this test said that she showed signs for Turner's or like her results came back positive for Turner's, but then they okay. still hadn't tested her physically. And, um, and so anyway, we um, – we got married um, when I was six and a half months pregnant, and then um, it was so funny because I went into. Um, do y'all have a new Marcus? It's this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Neil Marcus downtown here has a bridal studio in Dallas, and um, it's amazing. And I just walked in. I was like, I am four months pregnant, but I'm going to get married in like three months, and I need to be able to fit into something you have off the rack. <laughs> and they were like, "What?" <laughs> they figured it out with. I mean, they were so amazing, and they like. 
worked with me. I mean, like had to go tons of fittings. And I thankfully, I think because I was so stressed out being pregnant yeah. with her, I really didn't gain very much. It was, I was so sick every single day. And I think it's because she also just took a lot out of me, but I literally could not keep food down. And so I only think I gained like 15 pounds my entire pregnancy. So I wasn't even like showing really, which was wow. weird. Um, I mean, at the end I kind of popped, but still my doctor was like, you need to gain weight or we're going to have to do something. Um, yeah. Would, would you have like hyperemesis? I the, didn't um, know. Okay. I don't know what was going on. We didn't, and I, I, I couldn't, I don't know what it was. I don't know. I tried, we didn't know what was going on. Maybe I did, but they didn't. They just, yeah, it's like, it's, I mean, it's basically just like being sick oh, your entire okay. pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, I didn't know what that was. I guess that's no, what I okay. had. Um, yeah, Amy Schumer has like popularized it like, and because she oh, she was literally, yeah. she had a very severe case of it. And so, but but women that, that have it, are, yes, are throwing up the entire pregnancy and it's just, it's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah, even the, the day we were delivering, we induced because it was labeled high risk. And that day I was like in the bathroom at the hospital throwing up while we were, oh. I was with the nurses just to like come in and do the IVs and everything. But oh, yeah, man. it was bad. But um, anyway, long story short, we had her on um, June 16th and um, came out on her own. The doctors weren't in the room. They didn't even know I had her. I had an epidural. What? Yeah. She was so <laughs> tiny. I was – and there, her umbilical cord is wrapped around her neck. And um, oh. so I was going side to side in the stirrups. And I had – like I said, I had, had an epidural. So I wasn't – I couldn't feel anything really. But um, my mom was in there. My dad was in there. My grandparents had just – I think they had just arrived or – Anyway, my friends were in there. Everyone was there. And um, I felt this weird drop. And I was like, guys, there's something weird that just happened. I don't know what it is. But I knew I couldn't feel anything. And um, the nurse came running in. She was like, your contractions are crazy. What's going on? I was like, I have no idea. And she lifted up the sheet. And there she was. Like, no. we all were like freaking out. And so within a matter of like 30 seconds, they had called my doctor. And like all the like nurses had run in and like pushed everyone out. And, and then like my, my doctor got there and, um, yeah, she was like, we couldn't believe everyone was like, what is happening? It was the craziest <laughs> thing. Um, and it turns out she's a hundred percent healthy. So it was like the most wild time ever. So that was my experience into motherhood. <laughs> that is totally nuts. So did you not even have to push? No. Isn't that weird? <laughs> and my doctor was like, don't tell anybody the story <laughs> because she's like this has never happened to me before um yeah it was just so weird it didn't I, she just came out on her own I mean she'd been pushing really really hard so she had like a little egg on top of her head mm-hmm. but oh, um, yeah but I was only dilated like four centimeters at like 2 p.m my doctor was like you're gonna be here all day and then at 3 p.m she just came out it was so weird um, wow. I know. So, so did you have, did you have a tear or anything or was it literally I had a, just a little tear, but I, because okay. of the epidural, I guess that was a really strong, good epidural because I didn't feel it at all. Um, yeah. but then with my second, it was a completely different experience. So I know that that's totally not normal. And I'm like, I'm, I'm glad it was easy the first time, but also I'm like the second time I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is what people talk about when we talk about being in labor, you know, like the real, experience. right. But right. So out of curiosity, because I want to kind of talk about both pregnancies. So your first pregnancy was high risk. How did you kind of take care of yourself? Yeah, well, you know, it was tough because I was going through so many different stressful things at one time, being like trying to plan a wedding, 
finding out I was, you know, find out I was pregnant, got engaged, found out she was potentially sick, planned a wedding, um, couldn't keep food down. Um, I just to take care of myself, I honestly spent a lot of time just walking. Um, mm-hmm. It was all I could really do. I didn't really have the strength to go work out. I tried to use much healthy, as many healthy things as I could. And I took prenatals that I ordered, subscribed to for my doctor's office. But I, I mean, that was probably the only thing I could keep down, which is maybe <laughs> I was mm-hmm. semi-healthy. Um, but really surrounding myself with my closest girlfriends. And it was hard too, because I was one of the first, I was like 20 seven or 28 but like a lot of my friends still hadn't gotten they were married but not pregnant yet so I was one of my first friends to even get pregnant so just um but I think for me I'm just a really like social person I need to be around people and so for me being healthy was taking a lot of time out that whole experience the whole pregnancy and spending really just a lot of intimate time with my close girlfriends and just having long conversations with them about what my what this looks like for me and what my life is looking like changing and talking to mentors and talking to talking to people who are just kind of like just refreshing for me to to be around Mm -hmm. yeah and that's a really good form of self-care too I think people forget to acknowledge like everyone thinks like manicures and massages but it's just like no just doing the things that fill your cup Mm -hmm. is, is part of it I will say I spend a lot of time like out like just being outside for some reason for me I mean I know that's like with just I spend a lot of time just I don't, I didn't really, I don't do well at being indoors. And so like, that's mm-hmm. why I, like, I love going on long walks and um, just, and I guess bike riding too. We did a lot, um, spending a lot of time with my husband just, or my fiance at the time, just talking about what our life was going to look like was kind of my way of just like, okay, let's, this is how I'm going to prepare for, for this next stage. Cause we didn't really know what to expect, you know, just, right. it was a lot at once. What now curious when you told him you were pregnant, what was his initial response? He was like, you know, he was, he's adopted. And um, I think he was so much more willing and wanting to to make this work and to keep this baby. I was the first day when I found out, my first reaction was like, okay, I don't want it to my doctor. I mean, that was just so painful Mm -hmm. to say now because I'm like, she's my four-year-old little girl who I'm obsessed with. But um I just said to the doctor, I just don't want this. What are my options? And my doctor, I mean, she just said, you know, you have multiple options. You don't have to choose to abort this baby. You can put it up for adoption. There are many there are other things you can do. And she just said, just go home and you're so early. I was five weeks. So she's like, you're so, so early. Go home and think about this. And um, so I called um, Spencer, my boyfriend at the time, and just told, I just said, the first thing I said was, I'm pregnant when he answered. And he said, I'm coming over to see you. It was like shock, of course. The first like two minutes, he didn't say anything. And I was like, are you there? Right. He was like, I'm going to come over and see you. And he came over and he just said, we need to keep this baby. And I was like, I don't believe we need to because this is not my plan. And he said, and he was just really upset that I didn't want to. Um, so it was interesting right. that he was the one. But I, looking back on it, like now that I've had time to contemplate it, I think it's because he, his mom chose life for him, you know, and he he mm-hmm. really appreciated that, obviously. And so um, he was a huge proponent of an advocate of us keeping this child, which now I'm like, I'm just so glad that I had him because I think a lot of girls in the situation, women in the situation would are kind of relying on the men, they're the guy in their life to yeah. dictate that. And 
Um, and so I am grateful, so much, so grateful to him for leading that charge for us to keep her. Yeah. And usually it's like the other way around. Oh, yes, I know. And, and I think it's because I was in the middle of, I had just left my job at this amazing branding company and I was starting my own, um, marketing consulting business. I didn't have any, I was just like, it was whole change of events. I was about to just, you know, focus on my career for the next five years before even anything happened. And so I was just like, this is a distraction from my plan. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and now looking back on, I'm like, that this was like the greatest gift I could have received. But at the time it, it felt like such a, like not the right choice at the right t- at that time. Right. And how did your families respond? My family was so amazing. I mean, it couldn't have been better. I was really worried when I called them mm-hmm. um, to tell them because I wasn't living in Dallas at the time. I was living in South Florida. And um, I called them and I was like, I hope you're both sitting down. And they were like, yeah, I'm driving <laughs> back from workout. We're, how are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm pregnant. And they were kind of the same thing, like pause for a second. And then they just said, tell Spencer we love him. We love you. We love this baby. We're all in this together. We're going to get through this. This is a blessing. And hearing that from them, I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So I have support around me. And I think that's kind of part of self-care is having support system around you, no matter what that looks like. So important. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a game changer. Oh God, I just got the chills. Like that, what a wonderful response from your parents. Yeah, I know. It <laughs> All you could hope and wish for. I know. It couldn't have been better. And honestly, I didn't call them till after I called my best, best friend from childhood who I've known since I was three. And I, I told, I knew if I didn't tell somebody, I might make the wrong decision. I needed to tell somebody who, mm-hmm. but beyond Spencer, you know? And so I call, I spent two days alone after I told him, he, I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to make decisions based off of his decision. I want to make my own decision. And I called her, my friend Rachel, um, and um, told her what was going on. And and she said the same thing my doctor said. You have options. And this, But she was like, this life is precious. And she was like, the other thing is I don't want you to have any regrets in your life. And so think mm-hmm. about what you might regret if you make one of those three choices and um, or what that looks like in the future for you. And so – um, that was really powerful too, to hear from her. And I knew once I told her, I needed to call my parents. Yeah. Wow. So, well, that, that's really nice that you had such a great support system around you to help make that decision. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think that's what, um, I, yeah, I just, I don't think I could have gone through any of this without all these people that surrounded me. Second pregnancy. Did you guys do some family planning? Did you... Yes. What did that look like? It was a way different experience. So I was, um, we had been married, I guess, a year and a half. So so our, so Stella, our first was um, a little over one. And we actually, our, our second pregnancy turned out to be a miscarriage, which um, was really hard on me. Um, yeah. But then I knew at that point, I was like, this, I'm ready to have our, our second child. You know, this is, that even more in, in Still in me after like that experience, like after mm-hmm. not choosing to have a child, but then getting pregnant and then like losing a child. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I am definitely um, ready for this second child. And um, I mean, we were like in this, we were, you know, once you have one child, you're like, okay, just bring them on. We need more. And it's like, yes. we're in that. I need a hundred more. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, well, exactly. and it's like, you know, it doesn't get really probably easier to, have, you know, it's just kind of like, but it's more, it's just, yeah, you're embracing the stage of, of your life and it's what you need mm-hmm. to do. And so um, when um, we, we immediately got pregnant, though, like after that miscarriage, which was very, very difficult, I got pregnant immediately, like it was like eight weeks after um, with, with wow. Charlotte, which she was the easiest pregnancy I've ever had um except for the labor but I mean obviously it was like night and day yeah and it was but this was was weird is I immediately I wanted to be so healthy for her um for this pregnancy Mm -hmm. and so I didn't want to be sick every day I didn't want to experience what I experienced with Stella and so I um I just joined um this group called Studio Hop in Dallas it's kind of like it's a class pass it's where you can just pick different boutique fitness studios to go to every Mm -hmm. and I had my I did cycling Tuesday, Thursday, and I did yoga on Wednesdays, and I did Pilates in the beginning when I could until I was, I just couldn't, you know, like, I did it for, like, the first couple of weeks, but, and then, like, but cycling became my, like, my go-to, and I did that up until the point where my, if I left to go to the bathroom, my instructors would be like, are you in labor? Because <laughs> I was so <laughs> pregnant at the end. Um, I mean, I went up to, like, the day I was induced, and I, I that was a game changer for me is, with cycling throughout the pregnancy, yeah. I felt so good every day. Um, yeah. I don't know if, you, if yes. that's like a common thing that people do. Um, for some reason, that was just my my go-to. I did. Uh, I have a Peloton, so I, I spun um, not up until the day I get, went into labor, but like pretty late in the game. I also had pubic symphysis diastasis just when your like pubic bone separates. So like wow. any single-legged exercise – for me was just put me in shambles, mm-hmm. but I kind of pushed through. But yeah, cycling, I think is a, it's a big one. Um, cause it just makes you feel so good and it's low impact. Right. So you don't feel your uterus jostling about. Exactly. And it's not like you have to do like the strict in flywheel. You don't have to like go to level, you know, as high as it right. you to, you can go at your own speed, especially if you're like, you know, your body when you're pregnant, like, you know, you can't do yeah. certain things. Exactly. And so, so you had an easy pregnancy. You didn't have the hyperemesis gravid, it's like gravidarum is what it is, but, um, you didn't, you weren't sick the entire time. No, I was not sick at all. I ate really well. We would make a crumble every night, which is so funny. I was like, it's time to crumble. I was like, I made a crumble every single night, which is like a, a berry crumble. It was like my craving go-to, which is hilarious. Cause I don't, I haven't had one since I had her, but um, I mean, and then like we we were also induced with her because of um, Stella coming so quickly and on her own. My doctor right. at first, my doctor was just like, "I don't want you having this baby in the parking lot or at home, so we're gonna just induce early for this one as well." Which was like great, I guess, to know when I was going in. But I had um, a really hard long wait. I mean, it wasn't; it was like twelve hours. But, but it, I, okay. they didn't do an epidural till like after I'd been laboring for hours. And I was just like, cause and it was just like, I was like, okay, this is, I was like, I, this isn't normal. And they're like, this is just labor. <laughs> you know how, <laughs> I guess you just, every pregnancy is so different. So I was like, what is going on here? Um, but no, it was, it was fine. I mean, she came out so healthy. Um, and it was, that was, but I, I do think the transition from one to two was, really tough um mm-hmm. did you experience that you know I, I I think I was so paranoid about the transition from one to two and our first was was a 
I don't want to say he was a really tough baby because he was really tough from weeks two to week eight and then he was fine. But I, I had, I had, was very paranoid about having to bounce a baby on a yoga ball to mm. sleep when I had a two year old at home. And so like, and, and then it just didn't happen. Like our daughter was like an absolute angel baby, like was totally fine. She was, I, she was like the baby that you're like, Oh, that's an easy baby. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so the first, you know, six months weren't that hard. Now, now two is much harder. Right. So what, what has your experience been? Oh my gosh, it is a tough age. <laughs> your transition to two, was it was hard in the beginning? Yeah, so my husband was working at a hospital here um, while he was getting his master's in neuroscience to work in pharmaceuticals. And, um, and I um, didn't have, he was like, it was basically like he, he worked in shifts. And so he'd mm-hmm. gone, he'd have to leave by like 6.30 and he would come home till 7. So um, I remember like just, I mean, really, it was the first couple of weeks where like, I remember the first morning after we got home from the hospital, he left at 6.30. I had been up all night cluster feeding Charlotte, my second, and then like literally all night, you know, because you're like, they're just, they just need to eat if they're, she was only seven pounds, right. so she just needed to be eating. And so I didn't sleep at all. And then he left and then I put her down to take her like morning nap or whatever. And then my two-year-old woke up and I was like, wait, yeah. when do I sleep? And I, I remember just like, yeah. I was like in bed and she crawled into bed with me and she was like, I'm hungry. And the other one started crying. And I called my mom. I was like, can you please come over and just, just, just bring me coffee? <laughs> Cause I don't think I can get out of bed. <laughs> and that yeah. was the moment I was like, okay, my life, I felt like my life was always going to be like that, which is so silly because it doesn't last that long. Yeah. But it's really hard to see through the forest when, you're not getting sleep. Oh, I know. It's <laughs> like, so tough. Because you don't – and especially when there's a, something so new in your life and that change happens yeah. and you're like, but when is my life going to be normal? Is it going to be normal again? It's just all those questions go through your mind. What was your postpartum experience like with both of them? So I don't know if this is true and you probably know this, but I felt like I had so much adrenaline after having my second. Is that like normal? I guess. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So I remember I would get up, I would by like eight, 10 weeks, I would get up at like four pump, leave the milk warm, fresh out for baby for my husband to feed her. And then I'd go cycle. So I wanted to keep my routine from before. Right. And then I'd come back and then I come back at six thirty, and then he would leave. And then I'd be with the girls. And, um, and that was for the first, like, four months it was great it worked really well because I was I felt like I was back to normal and then it felt like I had like a crashing period <laughs> I was like mm-hmm. exhausted and all I wanted to do was sleep so I don't know like from the like a health perspective if that's normal or not but like that was kind of my like postpartum journey the first like four to six months was just like all this adrenaline and then no adrenaline is that yeah what are your thoughts no Interesting. I, um, I had that with, I, I remember my, my friend and I were pregnant around the same time and she went into labor a couple, you know, two weeks before I did. And I was like, how's everything going? And, you know, I still hadn't had a baby yet. So I just had no idea what life was going to be like on the other side. And she's like, you know, the, the I thought that the sleep was going to be much harder. Like the not getting any sleep was going to be much harder, but for some reason, like I'm totally fine with that. It's kind of like this other stuff that's hard. Yeah. And I 
And I remember her saying that, and then that was my exact experience too. I just had so much adrenaline coursing through me, especially like with the first one. I didn't have that so much with the second one. I just, because I, I mean, my situation was just so different. Like I didn't take maternity leave. I went right back to work and I like did not, um, I, I did not have the, the, the energy I, or I think excitement because you're just like, this is so new and exciting and this is like a new journey that I'm on yeah and I think that I didn't have with my second so I didn't I was just like so exhausted the first yeah (laughs) when do you think you started Uh, feeling like normal again I would say six months and I and and you know you know I I also I mean you know my daughter just turned a year so she's 13 months now and I still feel postpartum Mm -hmm. and I think that's because like I'm just still breastfeeding yeah and like I'm trying to wean her, you know, like it's like each feed I do. I'm like, okay, now I'm down to two feeds and like eventually I'm just going to like cut her. But I think that's when I'm going to stop feeling postpartum and I think that'll be exciting. Yeah, that'll be nice to have just that freedom again. So let's let's transition and talk about business now. So how did you end up here? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So as you heard after I had Stella – it was, I mean, that whole year was just a lot of transition, just going from like not being married, being married, to getting to having a baby, to like, I was also doing marketing consulting. Um, Spencer, my husband, was in school. And so I was supporting our family during this time, um, doing marketing yeah. consulting. So I had like six or seven clients, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't like not work while having her. So it was just like a very stressful. Right. Because if I didn't, I mean, he was also working like random jobs, just like shift jobs that he was trying to get um, through school. And so anyway, I ended up, um, one of my girlfriends had dropped, one of my friends who actually had had a baby like five months before, dropped some um, cookies on my doorstep and texted me. And she was like, I don't know if you're breastfeeding or not, but I just left some lactation cookies on your doorstep. I hope you help you or whatever. And um, I got them and tried them. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. You can eat cookies and make more milk. (laughs) I had never heard of that before. And she left me a sweet little note and I remember just keeping the note, little cookies on the counter. And it was like a really sweet, just something nice that she had made for me that just meant so much during that vulnerable time in my life. And I remember after finishing the cookies thinking, well, I want more, but I don't want to ask her to make me more cookies. Cause that's just, I mean, you know, I just, that was nice gesture. So I Googled fresh baked lactation cookies and I only found recipes. I didn't find places I could buy them. So I ended up, um, I've my whole life since I was really little, I've always made this oatmeal chocolate chip cookie recipe and I Googled lactation producing ingredients and they, um, like brewer's yeast, oats and flaxseed are all really great for milk production. So I thought, well, I might just go ahead and add brewer's yeast and flaxseed to my oatmeal chocolate chip cookie recipe and see what happens. So mm-hmm. we walked over, my little Stella, she was like three weeks old. We walked over to Whole Foods and got brewer's yeast and flaxseed and came home and I made the cookies. And I was like, whoa, I made even more milk. I was making mm-hmm. so much milk that I, and I was pumping with her because breastfeeding was really hard. I don't know. I just had a, everything was so tough. I was just pumping because I was like, I need the break. Like I need my husband to be able to help. Right. And so I was, I pumped like twice the amount that I was only pumping after just eating the, the, a couple cookies. And I was like, okay, this is, in, this is crazy. 
And this worked. Yeah, they really worked. And so I, and my husband tried them and he's like, what'd you do to these? They taste even better than your normal cookies. And I was like, oh, it's just the brewer's yeast, maybe in the flax. And anyway, I was like, gosh, if only he could make more milk, that would be awesome. But clearly that doesn't <laughs> happen because he's eaten a million of them since then. Um, but like long ago before this, I had lived in um, New York after college working in PR and so many people were starting blogs at the time. It was 2010. And so I was, I had started a blog called Lifestyle Hunting and I was like, you know, no one reads my blog. It never took off, but I'll go ahead and just post this recipe to my blog and call it the Miracle Milk Cookie because it's really a miracle. I'm helping me make more milk and, um, and then send the recipe out to my friends when they get pregnant or have babies so they can make these for themselves because they're so good and they work so well. Um, and so that was in 2015 in June after having uh, my little Stella. And then I was pregnant again with Charlotte um, that I guess in, in spring of um, 2017. And I went on the back end of that blog. I think either my card declined. It was a Squarespace site or something happened where I was like, I need to go back mm -hmm. on this blog. I had not gone on there since I posted that recipe, honestly. And <laughs> I went on the back end of that blog and I had, was blown away because it said I'd had like 300,000 unique visitors in the past year and a half. And I was like, what? Wow. And so I followed the analytics back and I had pinned it on Pinterest and then some big Pinterest person pinned it on their Pinterest page and then health sugar, uh, health magazine wrote about it and pop sugar wrote about it. And it went viral without me knowing it was crazy. Oh my God. So I was like, wait, yes. this is insane. So I posted a recipe on that same blog post or posted a survey on that same blog post. And I said, would you prefer to buy these cookies versus baking them? And I got like hundreds of responses from people saying, oh my gosh, please, please sell these. I don't want, I don't have time to bake. You know, you're a new mom. And like, right, you right. just want to bake. So I called my girlfriend who's an attorney um, in, in here in Dallas and I just said, I need to have lunch with you to talk about something that's kind of crazy. And she was like, okay, let's go. So we had lunch and I told her the same story. And she was like, well, you need to turn this into a business. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I know. I need to figure this out. But my background is not CPG. It's marketing. So I knew I knew how to market something. I just didn't know how to like right. put something into like commercialization. And so um, we, I set up a little website on Squarespace again called MiracleMilkCookies.com. And Miracle Milk was, is owned by L'Oreal, like the name. So I had to, that's why oh. I call it Miracle Milk Cookies. I didn't want to have any issues there which I'm right, right, in right. the early days. Um, yeah, yeah, right. go up against L'Oreal. Um, but I um anyway, just I it's so funny looking back on it because this was like this was like May of twenty seventeen. I was like seven months pregnant or six months pregnant and I, I took pictures of the cookies on my counter and I um like I have frozen cookie dough ball and a baked cookie and I was like Frozen cookie dough is like whatever amount. I don't know how much I was charging for it. And then fresh baked. And so set up a website and we left to go on a trip with our friends um, to Colorado for um, a week. And I remember we were driving up the mountain and to Vail and there were like, there was order after order after order for um, oh my frozen God. cookie dough balls. Because what I had done is I taken that um, blog post and, and taken down the survey and said, if you want to buy cookies, click here. So all the traffic right. from that blog post was now going to my website. It's not on my website. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting orders for frozen cookie dough balls in Las Vegas and LA and New York. And everyone wanted frozen cookie dough, which I get. I mean, 
but that's mm-hmm. like something you can't ship. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> or they, have they already like checked out and oh, paid? So like now you have. Payments. Yes. And so I had like all this money in my account from these frozen community balls that I was like, oh, I didn't think people were actually going to order this. I just thought I'd put it up there and see what happened. And so um, I had to refund all those customers. And I was like, I'll just send you fresh baked cookies. Let me know what you think. And I went to this store called Container Store in Dallas. We sell a bunch of packaging. And I bought bakery mm-hmm. boxes. And I filled them with cookies when I got home. And I sent them all out inside of like shipper boxes from FedEx. And I got all these emails back the next couple of days. And they were like, cookies were so great, but they arrived in 5,000 crumbs. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess you can't just like put cookies in a box and ship them. And then I was like, wait, is this illegal to do? Like to ship cookies out of my kitchen, like from my home kitchen? Like I don't have any certifications or anything. Um, so long story short, we like had to really figure this stuff out, make it legit. Um, yeah. So I spent several months um, work looking for a commercial kitchen that could actually bake the cookies for me. I was fortunate enough to have a really – I have a great friend who was background is in – private equity and she's worked on like tons of different um like cpg brands but she said you're marketing you're not a baker you focus on marketing you have someone else bake them for you i was like oh that's pretty genius so (laughs) i ended up um it i spent the next like so i i did doorstep deliveries in dallas um for fresh baked cookies for that year like i had charlotte in 20 in august 2018 and she and stella and i would go to doorstep to doorstep and deliver cookies. I mean, not like, not knock on doors. People would right. order them online and then I would like deliver them right, to right, doorsteps, right. which was at the end of the day, I probably spent, I made like a cent an hour probably because I was like buying all, you know, from Whole Foods and then driving around town. But Texas has, it's called Texas Cottage Food Law where you can actually, you can sell out of your home um, baked goods. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was legal at least. <laughs> but um, yeah. then their friends started ordering in other cities and I was like, okay, we've really got to figure this out. I want to be able to send them to moms everywhere. And so Natalie, my friend who was the background in finance was like, okay, find a kitchen. I'll walk you through the steps and like how to commercialize your product. And so I um, spent like a long time trying to find a kitchen that could take my recipe that makes four dozen cookies in a home oven to producing 80 dozen to 200 dozen at a time in a commercial oven. Um, which right. is like and how many how many iterations did you have to go through until they actually like got it right? Oh, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I met with who are bakers who own their own kitchens who were like, you're crazy to not want to be in charge of your own product. And I was like, but if you make it right, then I trust you. I mean, a lot of people were like, we're right. never going to find someone who wants to produce for you or we're only produce for you if you can order 500 dozen a week or if you can do this or that. And so that was the biggest hurdle was just finding someone who believed in what I was trying to do because at that point we were only selling like 40 dozen out of our house because that's all I could make a week myself. Right. And so I had to be able to find someone who could trust me enough to know, okay, this product will sell nationally, will take off, but you like have to start small with me. And um, and also be able right. to make, and I talked to the people who bake for a lot of really big companies and I had them try to make the cookies and they just couldn't make them. And so, um, I finally, was it because like, because they're set up or what? it was because they took my recipe and they tried to scale it up, but the measure it, at a certain point, like if you double or triple or quadruple or even like anytime you try to make a recipe grow, it, it can, it breaks at a certain point. 
you have to mm. take the recipe. And I learned all this because my background. I yeah, I was like, that's not something you would just like no. know. I, unless your background <laughs> yeah. is actually like, truly a, like a, being a baker, like a bakery um, or baker, um, you wouldn't know that. And so you have yeah. to, it's, a, it's down to a science. You have to measure by weight all the ingredients. And then that's how you scale, um, wow. which is so interesting and something I had no idea how to do. And so I was fortunate enough to find, um, my goal had been like, I want to launch World Breastfeeding Month, August of 2018, a year after we'd been doing doorstep deliveries. I learned, I knew that the the demand was there. I just didn't know how to make it, you know, work. And so, and during the meantime, we were like meeting with packaging companies, like people who knew about just all the different, like how do you seal cookies? How do you ship cookies? Just all the things that we didn't know. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, and so I had like, by August, I had had my, I had my boxes ready and I had my little pouches ready that I was going to ship the cookies in that were going to keep them fresh, but I didn't have the kitchen. And I, um, two of my other friends were, had this like really great gifting company and they were like, Oh, we met this guy who makes these really delicious cookies. He sells them at Whole Foods and they're kind of a small crunchy cookie, but I bet he could make yours. He just built it out a huge new kitchen. And so I called him and met with him. I brought my cookies and told him my story. And he was like, I can do this for you. I can make these cookies. And um, I was like, okay, let me see you try. Because <laughs> I've so many people try. And he made them and they were like just the same, just as good. I mean, I would say even a little better than what I had been making. And because he mm-hmm. just had this this knowledge. And I mean, it took him like three or four rounds to get it right. And um, But he got it right. And so we like were able to launch nationally um, last August. And um as, with him as my baking partner. And that has been just a game changer for us. Oh, that's incredible. So how do you ship cookies across the country like that so that they don't fall apart? I know. So that's a good question. So we have, they, they go in these craft bags um, that are um, like food grade bags. The inside's aluminum. Mm-hmm. And um, we put two cookies per bag and then stack them on top of each other. Um, and we put six bags in each box. And um, it just really works. It works. Yeah, which is crazy. That's awesome. And then your husband joined you this past year. Yes. So he so six months later. Yeah. So he finished his master's in August. Started working at a hospital here in in um in the end of August, and then um like the same month we launched, and then and then he had been (laughs) at the hospital for like six months, and I I was like okay. I can't handle all the operations. This is like too much for me. And I, I was like, talk, had a conversation with him, like either I need to hire somebody or you can quit your job and work with me and we can just do this together. And, and he had actually been kind of miserable. He thought after all this like time at school and like everything he learned, yeah. that he thought he would like it and he just wasn't happy. And, um, and so his passion, like the, the reason he had to finish school is his, he was like kind of, he's been, he dropped out of school after a couple of years to be a musician. And so he was like, he's really passionate about like audio and production and music. And I was like, I had this passion to launch a podcast and I want to do all these other things. And I think you could just do both of this, these things with me. And he was like, okay, I'm all in. So he put in his two weeks notice last, um, two weeks of February. And then he started, I guess he started March 1st officially with us. Um, yeah, it's been kind of a wild ride. 
Wow. When you were had told me that your your husband was doing all the podcast stuff, I was like, that's so interesting. It's like a very unique skill set that he has this. Oh, I know. <laughs> but now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he would spend – I mean, the reason I was like so on board with him doing it is because he would spend every night – he was so miserable at the hospital. And he'd come back and just after he put the girls down, he'd just go – he'd spend hours um, editing audio and making songs and creating things. And I was like, you can, you can do a podcast. I know you can do it. And so he figured it out. Um, because of his background. So yeah, it's been kind of, it's been fun working on that with him too. Yeah, no, that, that's very cool. I think like there's few people that can work with their partners. A, you have to have a, a specific kind of relationship. You also have to have differing skill sets in that, like you're both bringing something to the table, but it, it must be so nice like when it works because it really must work. Yeah, no, and I think, I mean, there are days where we're just both like, okay, we can't be around each other, but, <laughs> you know, like we kind of know our limits with each other now. And it's just like, and I mean, we've been through so much. It's like an other, other thing, you know, it's just like, we're like, okay, if we can get through all that, we can get through this little mundane customer service issue or whatever it is, you know. Being an entrepreneur as well, like the customer service stuff is like the stuff that makes my heart race mm-hmm. in ways that like oh. I can't even convey. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm, I'm sure. Because you're like with your app, are you constantly getting emails with questions or what are your customer service? What's your experience like? Yeah. So on the question stuff, like because, because we're an information account on Juno, we get tons and tons of questions that are just like, hey, I have, you know, diastasis recti. What can I do? Or I had a C-section, what exercise? Like those kinds of questions, which those, I'm, those like I wouldn't refer to that as customer service. That's just like, I'm going to help whoever I can respond to in whatever way I can. But on the customer service side, like if somebody can't get into the app, or they're like the something crashes for them. And and that's not, I'm not an engineer, so I am not the one to actually fix it. I have to then call my engineer. Mm. And it's just like, I get sent into, like on Sunday morning, one of our um, subscribers like couldn't get in. And there's like, she was a, a web subscriber. So something, it, like it was just the way that we had set it up. I'm really glad that she reached out to me because we got it fixed and it won't happen again. But at like 5.30 a.m., I was like, I was like, all over it and like emailing my developer in Croatia and it was just like and my husband's like what are you doing because I like was ignoring the kids and I was just like this is not the time I think you know when you have your own business you're it is your other child and you have to attend to it a lot and in this and if someone is complaining or there's an issue with it it's like okay let's figure it out right now let's let's take care of it because we don't yeah. want people you're protecting your baby. <laughs> you're like, yes, exactly. I mean, exactly. You know, it's just something that's yeah. so important to do, but it's hard. Yes, 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 yes. Um, well, I, I will, I have a few, few like quick questions for you that I just kind of like to ask everyone who comes on the podcast. So the first one is what books or podcasts are you listening to that you'd recommend? recommend and I say listening because I'm like I don't who holds a physical book anymore but if you if you are reading a physical book that too that's fine so I just finished a book by um Dr. Molly Millwood called to have and to hold she is a marital counselor in Vermont and um I'm actually going to be interviewing her soon on my podcast but she her book is amazing because it talks about all the things you don't really plan for as an individual or like a couple when you find out you're about when you have a baby and so it's like mm-hmm. postpartum marriage life it was really Ooh, really good yes. 
Um, okay. Because I feel like a lot of people, I mean, on our Instagram, I'm always asking, like, what are some struggles you guys have or what what would you like me to share about or how can we how can we help make your life better? And a lot of people say mm-hmm. marriage after baby, sex yeah. after baby, like just all those things after baby that you just don't really yeah. plan for. And so her book covers all that, which I really appreciated and thought was so great. So that's a book I really highly recommend um, I just finished okay. to have and to hold. Um, and then podcasts, I just, just because I guess I'm an entrepreneur, I know you're an entrepreneur. I love how I built this. Oh, I yes, listened yes. to, I like probably listened to, I've listened to it way too often where like I repeat them because I just love mm-hmm. it so much. I love how, yeah. and how I ask questions. Um, that's, and I like story brand by Donald Miller too. I just, yeah. Yeah. Him. Do you listen to that one as well? I do. I do. I listened to that a lot more a year and a half ago. I feel like I've now I've gotten deeper into like the, um, the, have you listened to Jason? It's the, um, this week in startups. No. Oh, it's so good. It's like super educational. I feel like I, every time I listen to it, I just like get something new out of it. And I, I, yeah, so I recommend that one. But. This Week in Startups. Okay. I'm Jason Kalisnakis. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, but he's like a big investor in um, in the Bay, but he, he gives like very tactical and he interviews like great, um, like like his interviewees are great. So oh recommend. Gosh. Amazing. Okay. I'm going to definitely download that. And then my next question is, what has been the most challenging or unexpected part of parenthood for you? Probably seeing myself, like the flaws that I have as an individual while being a mother, just days where I'm just having a tough time and I lash out or I say something that I regret or just not like in my head, I think, oh, I can be the perfect mom and do all these things. And I think I put a lot on my plate and a lot. I don't give myself enough grace to where I feel Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, today I just need to not worry about these 5,000 things and focus on this one thing and it'll still be okay. Um, I think so it's, it's putting too much on my plate and then trying to mother at the same time is, is really, really, um, been a challenge for me. Um, yeah, just in, as pretty much the entire time I've been a mom. <laughs> it, no, it's interesting. That's a great way of putting it. Cause I, I, it's like the only time that I, not the only time, but like the times that I remember the, like where I'm the worst mom is when I'm like stressed about whatever, I, like just having too much on my plate. And then all of a sudden my kid reacts to something or does something and, mm-hmm. and then my reaction is a thousand times worse than it would have been just because the other things have already been piled yes. on and then I'm horrified at my at like what I just did because it was just so irrational yes <laughs> my son's like what no <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying it happens to me like every day and I'm like I, yeah. then when it happens I mean I guess I say every day but I start seeing patterns of that and I'm like okay this means that I have too much on my plate something needs to change here um, I don't know, but it's, that's just, a, it's a constant challenge as a business owner and just a mom in general yeah. to do a lot of different things besides just being a mom. <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. And you know, one of the things I've been trying to do, and I cannot say that I've been successfully doing it, but is trying to compartmentalize my time with my kids and work mm-hmm. because like, because I work from home and I'm an entrepreneur, it's much, it's much harder. Like I'm like, when I come home, I try and like leave my phone in another room so that like mm-hmm. something doesn't stress me out while I'm with them. And I feel like the better I get at that, the better I will get at compartmentalizing. It's just like leaving my phone behind because then I'm not like trying to deal with a customer service issue or whatever it is while 
while just getting frustrated with my kids when it's not their fault. That's such a good, I've heard that from some other people. They just leave their phone in the front. I, I need to do that. I just get so, I guess I get so caught up in it. I just forget to like put it away and like that it's not that important. Yeah. Like, and you're right with the customer service things. Like when those come in, like we talked about, it's like, you got to, you want to respond right away. And then it takes away from like mm-hmm. your little child wanting you to just sit there with them and color, you know, which is like yeah. so much more important because that's so fleeting. Um, exactly. That's so, that's good advice. Yeah, I'm going to try and take it. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) And then my last question for you, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what does your mom community look like? Man, um, so I feel so so blessed to have um, Miracle Milk Cookies and just I'm able to tap in virtually to so many different moms constantly who are just reaching out about different things. And we have, I've met so many different, unique, fun, interesting moms that way. Um, But here in Dallas. Um, so when I first had Stella, I plugged into this group at a church here called Watermark and they have this group called Square One. It's not even really a Bible study, but it just like, it's a group of women at the same stage of you, your life as you, like mm-hmm. children zero to six months old only are allowed. And so it's like, you come in, you listen to a speaker who's like an older mother, like, you know, mom, your mom's age, and then hear their wisdom. And then you break into a small group by zip code and you just sit there and you just decompress and talk about all the hard things you're going through or all the great things or what mom life is like. And your babies are spitting up and crying and throwing up. And it's just like, they're not throwing up, sorry, having blowouts. And it's not throwing up. Um, But it's like, it was so nice having that in the beginning to be with someone the same, other moms I didn't even know with kids at the same age and stage. So I always recommend that to other mom friends here. But then um, I have a walking group of moms in my neighborhood. We have a lot of, we're fortunate to have a lot of moms in our neighborhood. Um, And so we every Friday have a standing walking date and sometimes it's just me out there walking and sometimes it's like 20 moms with like 40 babies and but it's just um so great because we can just I have we have like a text group um list of just and we'll just text things like hey we're going to swim today who wants to join us or you know and we're just constantly because I think with moms it's hard to plan things out in advance as you know um, so yeah. it's nice like in the moment to be able to text like we're doing this if y'all want to join no big deal if you don't want to and that's been so great to have this mom group that we have around me because um, I think what it's kind of isolating sometimes if you don't have that yeah yeah no that yeah that's awesome um, I, I was just, just thinking like I I would I would love to do that like, our community is there's lots of young parents but I feel like you only really kind of see them in passing at the at the park and so it's like actually creating a space where everyone can just like join if they want to and not is like a great idea. We, and we started it because I knew like we had just moved to a new, and I, we, I started kind of a little one in our other neighborhood, but we didn't really do like as much. But what I did was I just got together with my two of my good friends in our neighborhood that I had just moved into. And I just said, we should just all, we should, y'all should invite your friends. I'll invite my friends and they can invite their friends. So anyone, you know, that knows somebody else, can all join our group text. And that's how it kind of started. And then people kept adding more people as more people moved into the neighborhood and it just kind of kept growing and it keeps growing. And it's just kind of a nice way to just have this community through group text. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's awesome. Well, this has been just a delight. I am so glad that I got to um, have you on the podcast and you got to share your story, which is very interesting and just such a nice path to hear about. Oh, well, you're so sweet to have me on and I really appreciate you um, just being a great interviewer and a great mom and um, love the fact that you're doing so many amazing things too. It's been 
really cool getting to know you. Okay, that's all for today. If you found this episode helpful, please, please, please share it with your mama friends and write a review. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Juno Women podcast on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening now. If you're pregnant or postpartum, you can download the Juno app for tailored follow-along workouts and nutrition advice just for this period of your life. The app is available in the iOS app store. If you're looking to connect with other Juno moms, check out the Juno Moms Facebook group. Lastly, if you know someone who you think would be a fantastic guest on the show, please let us know on Twitter at Juna underscore app or email me directly at sarah at juna.co. See you next week.